Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, if we are here and we are Christian and we call ourselves by your name, uh, may we stand. Uh, May we stand in your power and not our own. May we stand in your glory and not aspire for our own. Let us really think about what that means uh, today and tomorrow and always. That no power of hell, uh, no scheme of man can ever pluck us from your hand. I pray that Christian and non-Christian here today would really hear that, would meditate on that, would think about it. What the gospel means, what we see in baptism. And if we are Christian, may we really celebrate. We, we celebrate for, for sports and, and activities and a job promotion. We celebrate these things, but they are only created things. I pray we would really know what celebration means. Help us to see, see angels partying in, in heaven because of today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For the gift of baptism, for the gift of church, for baptism in church. And we pray as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you again to our worship team. They will be coming back up to uh, lead us in the baptism. I do want to say this. For you Christians, I I really, I have to say it because we get used to church so much. Uh, I give us permission to to party, to celebrate, because in heaven, which is uh, much greater than here, they are celebrating today. Uh, I will say that again, but I hope you would even think about that, meditate on that, even as we, uh, as we hear this message that we have, uh, we're called, uh, but we have permission from God to celebrate. We are doing a, a series on prayer, and we are focusing on the Lord's Prayer. And now, a good question would be, why do we do that? Why do we focus on the Lord's Prayer? I would say two reasons, quickly. Uh, the first reason is, and uh, a very brief history lesson You know, earlier in the 20th century, many of the supposedly brightest minds would say that, you know, as humanity uh, gets wiser and um, uh, is able to confront the problems of the world, religion will diminish and there will really be no need for religion except for the weak people. Uh, And we have seen uh, that be proven false. And regardless whether you're here in church or you're not here in church today or you don't go to church, uh, people have this desire to grow spiritually. I mean, you see it social media, you see it in the culture. And Jesus is, uh, the whether you're a Christian or not, uh, he is the most uh, prolific, most uh, important uh, religious figure in history. And Jesus said, this is how you connect to God. Uh, and I, I would argue even atheists want to connect Uh, to God through some means. And Jesus says, we're about to read, this is how you connect to God. That's one reason. The other reason, and this is probably more important for us in the Bible Belt, is we get used to it. Uh, I use that phrase again and again. We we get used to church. Uh, We get used to the trappings of church. Uh, We get used to the Bible. You get used to me. You get used to hearing what Christianese is. 
what we say, and we, we get used to it. We get used to the Lord's Prayer. Something that happened to me Friday night that really convicted me how much I get used to it was I took Jack. Uh, he's really fallen in love with basketball. Um, I'm not saying he's great or anything, but he loves basketball. So he's on two separate teams. He's on uh, one church league with some of his school friends. And another school friend got him uh, involved in a city league, uh, which is organized by the Jackson police. And it's great, and he's learned a lot from it. So we had a game Friday night, and I took Jack, uh, and it was over in, in West Jackson, uh, okay, and not in a great part of town, all right? And it, the game, I think, was 6.30, 6.45. So it was me and Jack, and, you know, I was trying to figure out, and, I mean, we go to this gym. All right, and then, y'all know me. I like to be real. I like to hit just things on the head. So we go in the gym. So me and Jack, you know, when we arrived and when we left, only two white people in the place, okay? Only two. And the team and the coaches, and there were several other teams. And, I mean, that's, that's the world in which we live, okay? Just look around. Most segregated day of the week, okay? So we were there, and honestly, I was thinking, you know, I'm really proud of Jack because he, you know, he's here, and he's there, and he's playing ball, and, and he led me here, to be quite honest, okay? All right, get into the Lord's Prayer. Game over, they won, you know, they played good. They get snacks, you know, uh, change, team meeting. Going out and introduce myself to the coach, uh, and it's a she, actually, and she, uh, she worked for Jackson Police, detective. And so coming outside, she said, we're going to pray um, right before they leave. I was like, oh, great. You know? So they're praying. Here's what convicted me. Uh, they pray the Lord's Prayer. They gather around in a circle. And they all say together the Lord's Prayer. Now, the league that his other friends are, that I happen to coach, okay? We don't do the Lord's Prayer, okay? And, and yes, you can get used to it, but it really convicted me. You know, come out here and where God is, and it's, it's moving on my heart, and you'll probably hear more about that. About that. But we uh, get used to it. And we get so used to it, we should read it again. So Matthew, if you have your Bibles, uh, forgive me for not saying this earlier, but Matthew... Chapter 6 is where we will be, and I'm going to read verses 9 through 15. Uh, As always, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you are welcome to pick one up at the back table. You're welcome to take that home with you. So Matthew 6, verse 9 through 15, and this is where Jesus says, you want to connect with God, here's how. He literally says, verse 9, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So each Sunday over the next couple of weeks, we're going through a line of the Lord's Prayer. And I have to say, in all honesty, today is probably the most tough or the toughest. Uh, I think it totally, and I'm, this is how God works, totally connects to baptism, uh, but it's hard. It can be, frankly, our worst nightmare. We're looking at the line that says, your will be done. Thy will be done. Not our will, his will, on earth as it is in heaven. 
May your will, God, be over and above mine. And we can have some strong wills, right? Yep, amen. Your will be done. Now, also to show you how God works, I, and I want to read very briefly a devotion that I read yesterday morning. And I will recommend this. I think some of our men have it. It's uh, by a guy named Paul David Tripp. Um, he writes a lot on actually ministry for parents, uh, for marriages. But this is a book called New Morning Mercies. It is a devotional each day. And so yesterday, I'm reading this devotional, uh, and he writes. So just listen as I kind of paraphrase. What is the most needed yet most dangerous prayer you could ever pray? It is the one prayer that takes you beyond your small picture hopes and dreams that kidnaps so much of your prayer. Look, it is all right to pray about your job, marriage, family, finances, house, children, retirement, vacation, investments, church, health, government, and weather, but it is not enough. This prayer is the, quote, right now me model of prayer. It's about life right here, right now, and about what I have come to think I need right here, right now. Yes, God very much cares for your present life. He gives you grace today in this moment. Right now, he is with you and he is for you. But he calls us to view ourselves and our lives from a perspective that goes far beyond today and far beyond our ability to diagnose what we think we need. This one prayer Christ calls us to pray requires us to let go of our agendas and take up his eternal agenda. It is the forever you model of prayer. It requires us to take the long view to let go of our hold on life and surrender, key word there, to the kingship of another. It is captured by a few very dangerous words. Why dangerous? They have the power to turn your life upside down, to make you very different than you have been. Here are these words. Your kingdom come, your will be done, right here, right now, in my life as it is in heaven. Yet this is grace. We don't have to be a king. We don't have to carry the burdens of a king because we have been gifted with a king. In his kingdom, I am blessed with every good thing I will ever need. And in my welcome to his kingdom, I am including in something that will never, ever, ever, ever end. So pray that prayer because it is dangerous grace and it is what you and I and everyone really needs. Don't hesitate. Do it now. Why live for what will pass away? Why not live for what will never pass away. I read that yesterday as I was thinking about this sermon on Thy Will Be Done. Uh, great devotional book, Paul David Tripp, New Morning Mercies. Give a plug for it. A, another writer, uh, his name's Thomas Watson. Hadn't heard his name. 17th century writer. But he said, Jesus, Jesus tells us to do Diligently, all he commands, and to submit patiently to all he inflicts. Uh, I like that. And that is, thy will be done. Let me be honest, this is very, very tough for me, for you, 
for everyone. If you say it's easy, I think you're lying. If I said it was easy, I think I would be lying. Why? Because we are, and you know, if, and I love history. Not all of human history was like this. But we are really programmed, we are, to think we deserve the good life and have total control of our life. And we aspire to that, good life and total control. And we work for that. Many go to church for that. Have a good life and total control. And yet, Jesus says, pray, that will be done. It's very, very tough. But in fact, what I just read, and I said at the beginning of the service, if you're connecting the dots, and often we don't because we get used to it or we, um, our minds wander. But if you heard me, I said the gospel saves. This thy will be done is, is the gospel. The gospel is upside down. Because we think, you know, well, if I want life, well, good life and have control. Jesus says if you want life, you need to lose your life for mine. That's the gospel. He said you want to have a good life? Then live for my righteousness and you will have life. C.S. Lewis, I think, said it very, very well as he did for many things. He just said, if you in this life aim for heaven, you will get earth thrown in. If you in this life aim for earth, you will get neither. Say that again. I like that. In this life, if you aim for heaven, you will get earth thrown in. If you aim for earth, you'll get neither. This is very, very tough, okay, for us. It requires surrender. It requires submission, okay? Think about this. As your life, like this great sword, like your life is the sword, and it's strong, and you're going to, you're going to, you know, cut through the problems and, you know, you're going to destroy obstacles. This is my life. Swordsmen, swordswomen. And see, what prayer is, is not to bend God's will to ours. It is to melt our will to his. And so let's say we have a strong sword. We have to put that sword in the fiery furnace of God's truth. Listen to me, please. This is very important. The fiery furnace of God's truth. And let that metal melt and bend to God's will. It's tough. So I want to say three quick things. Where, why, how. Where, why, how. Where we say, God's will, thy will be done. Why we say, thy will be done. How we say, thy will be done. And I want to use some uh, illustrations. Where do we say, thy will be done? We should say it where it hurts the most. We should say it where there is the most pain. Where do you say, thy will be done? Where it hurts the most. That, that pressure point of your life. Where, where trouble is really moving in, in in a deep, conflicting way. That's where you say, thy will be done. Now, for parents, uh, those of us, uh, or it's really people, kids, many studies have shown this, okay? Many studies have shown kids, but also people, can fall into three psychological types. And I'm not a counselor. We have counselors here. They could correct me. They, they may correct me, but... Fall in three, generalize, okay? Three types when trouble hits, okay? Three types. Across cultures, across religion. Just people. But kids too, I'll tie to kids. 
anxious when trouble hits. And anxious people will say, man, I knew it. Let's, let's just get out of here. Let's, let's flee the trouble in some way. Let's escape. Aggressive. Let's get them before they get us. They're always got a plan. Let's, let's get them. Let's be aggressive. And then the laid back. Man, that's life. Let's take it. <laughs> let's take the shot. Anxious, aggressive, laid back. Now, tying into parents. Uh, used to, most studies would say, is let your kid kind of figure out who they are and let them be who they are when trouble hits. So if they're anxious, they'll deal with trouble, but they'll be who they are. Aggressive, same, laid back. Now it's different, and you see a lot of this in, well, in you know, self-help stuff. But now it'll say, no, wait, each situation in life is different. Sometimes you need to be aggressive. Sometimes you need to be laid back. Sometimes you might even need to have anxious or use that anxiety for good. So parents now, we're called to like, okay, figure out the situation and help, say, help Jack, help Logan, and help Ethan, figure it out, and what response is necessary, okay? And sometimes, and very often, if we really love them, we will force our kids and their personality to push against the grain of who they are, okay? So, like, have a situation, and they want to respond as they're wired. We say, no, you need to do it this way. So you need to push against the grain of who they are. And if God is our Heavenly Father, and He is our Father who art in heaven, He is our perfect Father, He is our perfect Father in love, and He loves you very, very often, He will father us in the exact same way, and He will push us. Hear me now. He will push us against the grain of how we're wired. We'll say, well, I would rather the situation be like this, or I'd rather do it. And if we listen to God, which is important, church, Bible reading, prayer, if we then trust God, those trouble moments, those pressure point moments, those painful moments, then we can say, thy will be done. So we look at the situations and say, what is God telling me here? What is God telling me to do here? Listen to your Heavenly Father. Where do you pray thy will be gone? Where it hurts the most. Where it is most painful. Now the why and the how, really we could combine these. So why and how together. Why and how pray thy will be done. Why should you do it? How should you do it? Let's go from kids to marriage. Spouse. Love you. You know it. We're leaving today for a marriage retreat. Pray for us. You know, we'll have a great time. If my wife or if your spouse or your future spouse asks you, she has, why do you love me? Most often in my marriage, and we'll hear some amens coming here. Most often in my marriage, I'll say, because of very good things, but good things that she gives me. For example, she said, why do you love me? Ah, you know, I mean, you're beautiful. You are. You're kind. You are. You're a great mom. You are. You're a great organizer. Very thankful for that. Those are all things that I have said and could say. They all benefit me. They all benefit me. And if I'm, if I get down to the base of it, that's treating my wife Linda like a program and not a person. Okay. And now, say, why do you love me? And over the last four months, you could 
could say amen to this too, okay? So why do you love me? Well, I try to go deeper to understand her as a person. What does she love? What are her hopes? What are her dreams? What are her fears? To love her as a person, just for who she is. Not what she gives me. She gives me quite a bit. But not to love her for that reason. Love her as a person, not a program. Okay? Again, the why and the how combined. I will be done. You're like, how's that tied to God? Well, okay, God gives us everything. But what if God says, why do you love me? Well, you've given me a pretty decent, I mean, all of us here say, give us a pretty decent life, I mean, compared to the rest of the world. Why do you love me? Well, I get to know I have heaven now. And, you know, your, your word says a mansion prepared for you. Why do you love me? Um, well, you know, being a Christian actually gives rewards in this culture. So I get some good, some good moral friends, and this church group is great, and this church is great. Man, <laughs> I'm getting well connected here, and, you know, just feeling kind of good about it. Why do you love me? God's a program and not a person, and he is a person. Why do you love me? God says, I want you to love me for me. So why do we have the Bible? To know God. Jesus says, I want you to love me for me, not what I give you. A person who knew this uh, better than, than all of us is Jacob in the Bible. Jacob in the Bible. And you could read about this. I'm not going to read it, but Genesis 32, okay? Jacob is like many of us. Uh, he lived in, with a lot of pity, a lot of bitterness. He cheated and all of us have cheated in some way. He lied. All of us have lied in some way to get benefits for his life. And then one night, Genesis 32, a stranger comes to Jacob. And they begin to wrestle. They begin to wrestle. And Jacob then realizes the stranger is God. And Actually, in a moment, he, he pins God down. That's most of our prayers, our prayer life. We're trying to pin God down. And he's wrestling with God, but then God says, okay, you know, all right, game over. I've played around here. I'm going to show my true power. And he just touches his, his thigh, and Jacob is crippled for life. Just touches it. He wrestled with him, you know, crippled for life. And then the sun is about to rise, and Jacob realizes he's God. And he just says, God, I just want to see your face. And God says, you can't do that. If you see my face, you'll die. However, you have changed, Jacob. And I didn't say that, but there's been a change in Jacob. Because instead of wanting things, he just wants God. And so God does say this. He says, now your name will be Israel. Because you have wrestled with God and triumphed. Do you wrestle with God? In your prayer life, do you wrestle with God in your life? Why? Why? Don't tell me that will be done. You're wrestling with God. Can you surrender? Of course you can. But not, I can't force you. And honestly, the Bible says you can't even force yourself. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to wrestle with God and, and triumph. Jacob was a cripple the rest of his life. Jacob lost, but in losing, he found victory. It's the, uh, that's the gospel upside down. In losing, we will have victory. The how and the why combined. Last thing. One other person wrestled with God. Why should we say that will be done? One other person wrestled with God. His name is Jesus. 
And he wrestled with God in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, in uh, our first year of marriage, 2004, uh, our first Christmas, I was, I was really sick. Um, brother Larry Collins, who love you, you're here today, brother. He, he doctored me up, and I had double pneumonia, so I was like sick for weeks. And the day after Christmas, 2004, some of y'all may not remember this, and it was actually a Sunday, because she went to church, and I would stay home, and there was, there was a tsunami, December 26, 2004. Tsunami in, um, I guess it was parts of Southeast Asia. And you know, a movie came out a few years back about this tsunami, and I, I didn't see it, not recommended the movie, but... They, you know, show this huge wave, you know, like, you know, people, a family, like, just massive waves. I say that because I, I think that's a good illustration of what Jesus was going through. He saw this even bigger wave coming at him. He said, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way? He wrestled with God. And Jesus took it. And he lost. He died. And in losing, there was victory. He conquered sin and death. And he did it for you. He did it for these brothers and sisters being baptized. He did it for brothers and sisters who have not been baptized yet. Because you're saved by the baptism of the heart. He did it for you who are not saved. He said, thy will be done. He said, thy will be done. I encourage you to say, thy will be done. And then you will have the freedom you've always sought. Say, thy will be done. That is being saved. That is salvation. Thy will be done. Surrender. Submission. Say, thy will be done. That is baptism. Thy will be done. Last thing I'll say, really. C.S. Lewis said, either on earth... You say to God, thy will be done. Or in heaven, God will say to you, thy will be done. You want this? Take it. Have it. That's what hell is. Thy will be done. The brothers and sisters who are going to be baptized have said, thy will be done. And I'm going to ask them to go ahead and uh, step out. Uh, and those deacons who are helping them prepare for baptism, get ready. Uh, our worship team can uh, come on up and prepare. But as we do here at Bellwether, those who are getting baptized, we ask them to write a brief testimony so that you can hear how they have come to the point of saying, Thy will be done. And if there is a, a child being baptized, we always ask a parent to write. So, I want to read these testimonies of brothers and sisters in Christ so you can uh, know and hear from them before their baptism. And again, I really want to give permission. I mean, the worship team's coming up to celebrate, to party. Uh, there, there is nothing greater, and we think there is a lot greater in this world. And that is because we live in right now lives with right now prayers. Instead, my prayer is that me and you and Bellwether Church moves to forever you lives and forever you prayers. And when that happens, the celebration is not fake and you never get used to it and it's true and it's glorious. Forever you lives. Here's the, uh, the testimonies. 
I won't read their names. I've always known about Jesus, or at least as long as I could remember. When I came to Bellwether, I just felt more connected to God. I used to go to those big churches with an endless amount of people. Here I feel as if the pastor and everyone else he works with has brought me very closer to God. It has impacted me in school too. I enjoy having my, fa- my church family at school and being able to learn and worship together. I also think it has made a big impact on everyone else in my family. Recently, when times were a bit tough, I feel God is bringing me and my family back up. In ways that are indescribable, I know that I am more connected to the Lord and the Spirit. That's a child, and here is a, here's a parent. It gives me great joy to witness my son be baptized at Bellwether. I have seen him grow spiritually with Christ and am so proud of the solid foundation he has developed. He has learned how to persevere and have faith through hard times and during success. I am eternally grateful that he realizes all things come from God. It is truly amazing what I have learned through the eyes and actions of my own child. Growing up in my adult life, I relied on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make straight your paths. It is my prayer my son will rely on this passage, knowing God's will, not ours, determine our future. I am blessed to have watched him begin to grow into a fine young man and overjoyed at this public profession of faith and rebirth. Another testimony. I've wanted to get baptized for about a year. Ever since I saw my sister get baptized last Easter, I've been thinking about it. Now I have the chance to, and I'm ready to show everyone my belief in Christ is real. Another testimony. I found out about Jesus, my father, at Senior High Breakthrough, and it was a great feeling. That summer after Breakthrough, I went to Peru on a mission trip, and I accepted Christ. I thought I was going to teach the Peruvian kids, but instead of me teaching the kids, they taught me. They taught me all you really needed was God to have a great life instead of all the worldly things I had and wanted and thought that was making me happy, but it has been God that has made my life better. I've learned no matter what you do, Jesus will love you unconditionally. He doesn't want you to go to hell and suffer. He wants you in heaven with him. And I know God is with me every single day of my life and will never leave me, even in my good days or bad days. I know God knows what we need, even if we don't ask him. If you ever think you're missing something, go to Jesus He will fulfill that empty hole of yours. I have several struggles in my life, but the biggest ones are reading the Bible daily and praying daily. We get it. Last testimony. The biggest struggle I've had was not being spiritual. I've always believed in Jesus, but I couldn't cope with the fact that my loved ones were being taken away. It wasn't until reading 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, and understanding the scripture that it wasn't God taking them away from me, Only God receiving them into his holy place. I have spent many years questioning God. And it was only when I began to follow along with the readings that I understood you have to come to Jesus with an open mind, open heart, for him to come into your life. And that's what I've done. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I'm ready to do as he would have done and does do for people. It has not been an easy journey. There have been times where I could not believe and times I could not imagine. But I'm now ready to explore more with you all. Those are the stories, the lives of the new baptism in Christ, the new birth. Let's pray together and then our worship team is going to lead us. Heavenly Father, I pray in our hearts we celebrate. I pray we celebrate what God, you are doing uh, in our world, in our lives, even what we cannot see. 
I pray our faith grows into a, a greater faith, a more real faith, and that our love grows for what you have done, for you, Jesus, saying, Thy will be done, and you going to the cross for us, and not trying to do it on our own, save ourselves on our own, or look to the created things to save us, but only the power of the gospel that brings salvation. Thank you for these lives that you are shaping and that we are blessed to witness today. Thank you for this church family. May we celebrate. May we give ourselves permission to let go, to have your freedom, because you give it, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.